1: 18 plus good evening Steeler fans welcome back to know your enemy every Wednesday night here on behind the steel curtain we look at the upcoming opponent for the Pittsburgh Steelers we're doing that again this week the Steelers are facing the Detroit Lions with me as always
2: Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm just ready to pick Jeremy's big beautiful mind about the Lions. <laughs> Get some <laughs> inside information that'll help the Steelers be victorious.
1: <laughs> there we go. All right, I'm I as always I forgot my name here. I'm uh, I'm your host Jeffrey Benedict and with us as Shannon pointed out is Jeremy Raceman. Jeremy, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me guys. I'm, I'm, I got to match the energy here. So I got to get going here. I'm, 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 I'm excited too. I'm finally getting the end of the preseason here. And now uh, reg,
1: regular football's right around the corner here. And we only got a couple of weeks coming up. Yeah. Now you have the lions have obviously been a center of attention Yeah. because of their presence on hard knocks. What are your <laughs> thoughts overall? Have you enjoyed the, the hard knocks process? Are you glad the team has had this exposure and do you think it's good for the team? Oh yeah.
0: No, no question about it. I'm, I'm the kind of guy that always wants the behind the scenes stuff. So even when things are bad, like I want to see all of it. So I've been, I've been crazy for hard knocks ever since it started for them to finally come to Detroit. And I don't think they could have come at a, at a better time Um, in terms of just the charisma, the culture that is in Detroit right now, it, it's infectious. You know, I, I was just scrolling through uh the, the Instagram comments of just, you know, a, a Dan Campbell speech that, 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 that hard knocks through on Instagram. And it's, it's everyone's just like, Man, I'm really rooting for. I'm, you know, the Lions aren't my team, but I'm, you know, they're they're America's team now. I am really hope he works out in in Detroit because I love Dan Campbell and it's just like, yeah, like that that has to be considered good PR. That maybe maybe that's even you know good recruiting for free agents. I, I that might be pushing it a little too far, but at the same time, like word gets around that when when thing when players are having fun when when the environment is good. And, and you, you, you have this coaching staff full of former players that know how to get the most out of their players. Well, I mean, how, how can that not be attractive to a free agent? It, it can only be good. And, and luckily we're, we're one of the good hard knock seasons where it's not like, oh, look at this dumpster fire that's happening. It's, oh, the lines are doing something kind of interesting here. And the players seem to dig it.
2: Oh, I've been watching. I've, I've been enjoying it. Um, <clears throat> how long have you, I I'm putting you on the spot. Sure. How long have you been a fan?
0: I mean, I, I was born and raised in, in Michigan in, in the Detroit metro area. So mm-hmm. born and bred, I'm 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 36 years old now. So I guess you could say 36 years.
2: <laughs> well, cool, cool. Now, here's the thing. Like, you know, David Campbell, you know, he's just still in the show. Everybody's mm-hmm. enjoying it. He's coming in, he has to change the culture. Yeah. Of a team that's not only not won a Super Bowl, they have never been to a Super Bowl. Yeah. So, you know, and they find unique ways every year to lose games. Yeah. And, and and he realizes that. So the week prior to the preseason game, they lost eight preseason games in a row. Yeah. And he, you know, so preseason, most time you don't care that much, unless you're the Baltimore Ravens and, you know, you won 27 in a row, whatever. <laughs> but he was like, we got to win the game. Yeah. I mean, at the end of that of last night's show, you've seen how badly they wanted that. Yeah. And, but the week prior, they had a chance to win, and Ball, the quarterback, fumbled the snap, and then the defensive back, Lewis, I think he was like a seventh-round pick, yeah uh, trying to make the team. He dropped in the interception. Both of them would have probably sealed the game. 100%. You know, I'm thinking, okay, what's he going to say? Well, at the beginning of the show, he's like, you know, these are the kind of things we've done in the past that's caused us to, you know, lose games. Mm-hmm. We've dominated the time of possession. We've done all this, but so – I like how he handled that. Yeah. You know, he handled that in a way that he's saying this is not acceptable, but you know, we're going to move past this and I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. You said it yourself. Tomlin walks that line, uh, that I think Campbell's trying to, I mean, he used to be the you know, ex player. He's a huge dude. As yeah. the guy said, he's like Hulk Hogan, but, but he, uh, he, 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 he's walking that line very well. Um, I have a feeling that, that all you're hearing about in the area is just, he's, everybody loves him. I'm sure.
0: Oh no, no question about it. Everyone, everyone is, is really excited. And and listen, like when you have such a, a charismatic guy, such a boisterous guy, who's, who's doing a lot of you know, he's bringing pants to a team meeting and shaking it <laughs> out and like doing all that stuff. Like that can go two ways, right? Like a lot of times people say, Oh, that's corny. This guy's a clown. Like, and, and listen, if the Lions don't win football games, that's what the narrative is going to be. That's the danger of having someone that's the face of your franchise that has such a big personality, but everything seems to be headed in the right direction it, when in terms of football, like I know they only won three games last year, but they finished three and three down the stretch. It was, it was an improvement and, and a good chunk of that improvement came when Dan Campbell decided to take over play calling. And, you know, he gets the mm-hmm. kind of MO of just being an emotional guy, a, a meathead, whatever you want it's also pretty smart at football. (laughs) Like tight ends are very smart at the game. They have to do so much that they have to know so much about what happens in a football game. So, you know, with, with the attitude, with like the, the former player, with the, the respect that he shows his players. And that, that's the huge one, right? He's, he knows how to respect his players around him. He knows how to push them without being disrespectful. Um, you, You can see how much his players matter to him. I think one of the most telling scenes in hard knocks so far came in the very first episode where, They go live tackling. The first day of padded practice, they go live tackling. The practice doesn't go how he likes it. At the end, he pulls everyone in and he says, listen, I know you guys think I'm crazy that we're going live tackling right off the bat, Mm -hmm. but I'm doing this because I care about you guys. You guys need to trust me. Nearly in tears telling them, listen, we need to be this physical right off the bat so that we are ready when the regular season comes and and we can hit the ground running rather than, you know, acclimating in week six, week seven when the season's already done. So I, I just think that, that human touch he has with the players to just like let them know he's doing this all for them. It's yeah. not, there's no egos in the room. He's not trying to be the smartest guy in the room. He's doing it to put his players in the best position to succeed so that they can win football games. And so, and so they can cash in.
1: You mentioned all the former players as coaches, yeah. uh, one of the stars of of Hard Knocks is Ben Deuce Staley, yeah. who was an integral part of the Steelers mm-hmm. in two thousand four Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season. Of course, mm-hmm. you have Antoine Randall who threw that absolutely gorgeous touchdown in yeah. Detroit to win to win the Super Bowl for the Steelers. How is this working out? I mean, you've got you got Mark Brunel, Aaron Glenn. You've got a lot of former players, and when when this coaching staff was being formulated, it kind of sounded to me like. Dan Campbell was hearing all these people say, you know, about how there's so many players and then all these players don't get into coaching. Like where, why aren't these players getting into coaching? And Dan Campbell was like, all right, I'll give you guys a shot. Is it working out? Cause it seems, it seems to be really interesting. It seems like the culture is fantastic, partly because of that. Sure. Uh, how do how do you see it internally? It, it's a really
0: interesting thought experiment and, and we won't, I, I can't say right now for sure it's working. It's not working because the lines are such a really young roster that coaching is going to really, really matter. And we're probably going to find out one or two years, one or two years down the line, whether this whole thing works. But when you're, when you're such a bad team and you know, you're going to lose a lot of games. <clears throat> the one thing that could easily happen is that the coaches lose the trust, right? They, they I mean, if, if you're not winning games, it's simple. Like, the players can very much turn on the coaches, but if those coaches have 10 years of experience playing football, well, suddenly they come with a lot more trust right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. much harder, I think to lose that trust in a guy like Hank Fraley, a guy who was a 10 year center in this league or, or, or all the guys you mentioned. mentioned, if, if they've gone and done it before, then, then that their opinion is going to carry a lot more weight, especially when those, tough times come when the wins don't come because they know how to get out of those funks. And, and I think, I think that is is absolutely crucial right now in these first couple of years of the rebuild here that they, they maintain that level of trust with their coaching staff. So I think in that sense, it was a really, really smart move. Now in terms of making their players better, like I said, that's something we, we kind of have to see down the road, but it, I think in the short term, it's a really kind of savvy move just to make sure that the coaching staff is not losing the players in any sort of way. And they, and they haven't.
2: I thought that the Lions, that Hutchinson is just a great pick, just mm-hmm. a great selection. I thought he should have went number one, and uh, I was shocked when Jacksonville took Walker uh, because I thought Hutchinson. He's got a. He kind of reminds me of the Boses. He kind of got a little bit of Watt in him. I mean, you just watch him, and he's just such a natural, fluid athlete. And as a pass rusher, he wins that rep. Now, he might yes. not get the sack, but he wins that rep. And you know, there's not a whole lot of guys you could say that about. But the biggest thing is he wanted to be there. You know, it's hard to yeah. get guys to say, Hey, I want to go to Detroit. Now, contrary to that was Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama. If you've seen him at the the, <laughs> the initial press conference, he looked like somebody died in his family. <laughs> you know, he he did not want to go to Detroit, but you could tell Hutchison did. Um, you know, Glenn the defense coach, he was talking last night said, you know, it's great that you are what we thought you were. Yeah. You know, that, that you're, you know, you know you're living up to everything we thought you would be. Um, I, I just think that, that was a great selection, especially for the fact he wants to be there. And I think he wants to help make Detroit successful. Yeah. Um, And what are you hearing about him? You know, cause a lot of times, you know, we're, we're just hearing what we see on the show. Right. What are you hearing from him in the city and you know, that part,
0: yeah, I mean, he he kind of walks into almost a hornet's nest a little bit because obviously the state is split between Michigan and Michigan State fans. So mm-hmm. half half of the fans were like, you know, they they were doubting him as a prospect. They're like, oh, one one you know, flash in the pan season, and we want Kayvon Thibodeau or we want Trayvon Walker. You know, typical kind of rivalry stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, like people are 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 now very excited and 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 rightfully so. And you know, the the biggest thing with Aiden is that he is just such a true professional that he like the mental side of the game, the, it, like he's already there. Like mm-hmm. he, he's treating himself like a professional. He's getting there early. He's putting in the work. He's treating every rep. Like it's a game rep, um, whether it's the beginning of practice or end of practice. And, and I think that's what Aaron Glenn is talking about. He's just like mm. the mental We, we saw that kind of gritty mentality that, that we're going to, you know, just outwork everyone else on the field. For for 60 minutes, that's the attitude that Aiden Hutchinson, the rep that he had coming into camp and and the one that he's shown throughout camp. And so I still think, you know, some of the developmental stuff in terms of technique and stuff that that stuff will come down the road. But in terms of just like being a dude who's going to be ready and just shoot himself out of cannon that week one rep against the Eagles, like he's he's going to be ready. And and that's that's what I think the Lions are most gonna are gonna be most excited about because they can mold everything else, right? They, they they have confidence in themselves as a coaching staff to make sure that all the technical stuff gets there. They just need a guy who's
1: willing to do it, and Aiden is a is a 10 out of 10 when it comes to that. The Steelers last week faced the Jaguars and and actually had quite a bit of trouble with their defensive line. And I wanted to compare that because uh the Jaguars added the number one pick a defensive mm-hmm. end. They had uh what's his name, Josh Allen who top 10 pick a few years ago and they really build up the defensive interior with some veteran, like people movers, some really big guys to to kind of anchor and, and, and push the pocket a bit for them. And they look like they have really turned it around in only a few years rebuilding that defensive line. Yeah. With Aiden Hutchinson, is he kind of that Josh Allen? Is he kind of the first piece to arrive on a defensive line build? Or have they, what is the? what's Detroit added around him? What do they already have? Is this going to be a, a really good front line or is this more a work in progress?
0: It's, it's kind of a tricky question to answer because I think if everyone was healthy, I think this would be a really good defensive line that, that could be, you know, top 12, top 10 unit in the league because last year they drafted the interior guys. They drafted a McNeil, a nose tackle. Who's now playing a lot of three tech who's, just like he's 330 pounds and got a ridiculous first step it doesn't make sense how quick he is and so that's why they're putting him out on the three tech to just be huge disruptive and and crazy and then they also drafted Levi onzerrique out of washington last year a defensive tackle who is more kind of a three tech a later three tech but unfortunately Levi's been dealing with some um hernia or you know back hip yeah. issues he's uh he's not gonna play in this game he's probably won't be ready for the, the, the regular season. Lions also drafted Josh Pascal, uh this year, an edge guy who um, is dealing with, he's the one that's dealing with a hernia. Now he's on the, uh, the pup list, is going to miss at least the first four games of the season. Um, uh, Romeo Aquara tore his Achilles in week four last year, is not ready to go yet. He's going to miss the first four games, but he was a guy that was a 10-sack guy um, right before they gave him an extension and, and then the, the Achilles injuries happened. That being said, Charles Harris is a guy that I think you know, he had a breakout year last year, a former first round pick, didn't didn't work with the Falcons. Um, but I, I really think you could see him take another step this year. And the reason I say that is because he was one of the most double-teamed edge rushers in the year in the league last year, because the Lions didn't have anyone else. They didn't have an Aiden Hutchinson to put opposite him. Now they do. And so I think yeah. I think if you see a breakout season, it might be Charles Harris as the guy to worry about a little bit more than Aiden Hutchinson while he kind of kind of gets his NFL legs. Um, so I, I think, unfortunately, the rest of, of the depth is, is still kind of a work in progress. But if this if this, unit know, is really healthy, I think it could be a really, really good unit. Instead, I think it's probably going to be maybe a little bit below average. But don't don't sleep on those two edge guys, because I think those guys are very talented
2: okay well me and you talked a little before we started the podcast about malcolm rodriguez mm-hmm. and he is my kind of linebacker and uh, the Steelers have a guy similar i don't know if you've been paying attention but in mark robertson mm-hmm. uh and both guys are shorter they're really stocky stout uh, aggressive got a, a natural feel uh, uh, just they play angry yeah. and and i've been watching rodriguez on hard knocks and he he's the real deal when when i i always got fired up things that fire me up ain't always the same thing it fires other people up but when the position coach i can't remember his name was like well you know you're going to be a starter and this was prior to the second game yeah you know they're they're already telling him you know you've earned it yeah and, you know, they're not they don't care about draft position they don't care about salary they want the best guys out there that's what, that's how you develop a winning team. Right. And then that makes them other guys in the room. They're like, okay, you know, he's Trying putting that intensity out there. We need to do the same. Yeah. He's leading by example, but that little burger, he is, he is one <laughs> tough little ball player. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, is there anything you could tell us about him that maybe we're not hearing on the show?
0: Yeah. Uh, the hype on Malcolm Rodriguez started well before hard knocks in Detroit because, after rookie minicamp, the, the Lions linebacker coach, um Kelvin Shepard, who also, by the way, That's former yeah. for, former linebacker himself, former Lions linebacker, in fact, mm-hmm. um the first thing he said about him was he had never seen a rookie that was so smart. Wow. He he was the smartest rookie he's ever been around. And you know, I, I personally asked him so well does that mean you can start teaching him things like, you know, ahead of time, like things that, that maybe veterans are he's like I'm teaching him things that I maybe some three-year veterans wouldn't mm. get. Mm-hmm. And so none of this is necessarily that big of a surprise now. Um, obviously when drafted, I mean, you drafted and you don't expect your third, your sixth round pick to start, but at the same time, the line, the linebacker room is not particularly great. So, but this doesn't feel like a, a situation where um, everyone else is losing the job. It really does feel like Malcolm Rodriguez is winning yeah. that job. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the physical nature. Um you're right that that the size is is his biggest concern i feel like if he was a couple inches taller and and 10 pounds heavier maybe a second round pick right Mm -hmm. um but the way he wins with with kind of the size limitations is leverage you know and all the Oklahoma State people will will say will say there's a drinking game whenever you mention his wrestling background, but you can really actually see the <laughs> the wrestling background with him. Like there was a, a time in in the opening preseason game against the Falcons where he just like he lifted and tossed a 310 offensive lineman after the play, and it's just mm-hmm. like that's that's the that's the wrestler coming through, and that sort of stuff matters. That's how you you break through tackles. That's how you you know st- stack and shed and, and things like that. And so. Uh, man, I, I, I'm i usually Mr. Let's not get too excited about day three draft pick guys, but he's blown me out of the water. And and I think, I, I don't think he's only going to start in week one. I think he, he's going to excel.
2: Hey, I, I got to tell you, I get excited. I'd I, I marry <laughs> you for not because I get excited and he don't even play for the story. <laughs> but that guy, you know, like I said, 5'10, 5'11, but a 4'5'2, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 39 and a half inch vertical at 36 or 39 reps. He's strong. I mean, that dude is jacked up. Yeah. So yeah, he might
0: be short, but he's got everything else. Uh, he he's he's earned that. I can't remember the the running back who earned the original nickname, but I've I've heard muscle hamster thrown around for him as well.
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. That wow, it's a great nickname. <laughs> I've never heard answer, anyone right? called a muscle hamster, but that makes so much sense. <laughs> That's fantastic. What player? I want to ask about this is a guy I loved coming out of the draft when the when the when the Lions picked him is uh Jeff Okuda. He mm-hmm. was drafted very highly. Hasn't yep. really shown up. He's been dealing dealing with injuries. Yeah. Where is he and uh how is how is the Detroit Lions cornerback room looking? Cuz I know last year there was Tons of injuries and and people in and out all over the place.
0: Yeah, it's 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 still kind of. I, I don't want to call it a mess because I think they're just trying to figure things out at the moment. But like Jeff Okuda's just gone through the ringer in his first year. You know his, his You know his first season there, he's dealing with kind of a, a groin injury that that lingered the entire year. I think he played nine games, and the the Lions coaching staff then just kind of threw him into the fire. You know Matt Patricia's defense relied heavily on man-to-man one-on-one coverage. So you're throwing you're throwing Jeff Okuda, a guy dealing with a groin injury, out on an island, and it didn't go well. Like, it, he had a bad rookie season. I don't think there's any other way to put it. You know, we you get into year two, everyone's all optimistic. He's looking really good at camp and, and thrilled. He's with Aubrey Pleasant and, and Aaron Glenn. Two guys have played at this game and, and are viewed as very smart, very good coaches. And then week one, he gives up a big play he comes back with a PP PBU and then in the third quarter tears his Achilles loses him for the rest of the season. And so it, it's a horrible start to this guy's career. And he's worked his butt off to get back to the Achilles. Like we, we saw cam Akers and, and what he did with the, the Rams in terms of getting back from this injury. Jeff Okuda has done just about as good as that. Like he, he hit the ground running when training camp started. They, they took the training wheels off. He, he was a full, full go. And you know, you, you can still see him learning the position though. It, it's, he's still essentially a rookie in, in a lot of ways. So I don't think he's going to come out in week one. It looks like he's probably going to like, they They didn't even hand him the, the starting job, this training camp. You know, he's, he's competing against Will Harris, a, a former, I want to say fourth round pick uh, who played safety now converting to, to corner. So they're, they're, they're challenging him while also kind of rewarding all of the work he put in just to get back on the field, but it's going to take some time. And so he's, he's kind of set up to be, the number two, I would say, number one guy is Amani Oruwari, a former fifth-round pick, who who took some big steps towards last year. Um, he's in a contract year. I, I would say he's not an above-average number one, but you know, I would say he, he might be an above-average number two. But they got him playing the one just because they're little they're a little thin on their their depth and, and top-end talent there. I think that's a position they might hit hard in future drafts, but they're still figuring it out. And Jeff Okuda is a guy that I. I'm very much rooting for, even as a, as a former Wolverine myself, I I can't help but root for Jeff Okuda just because he's an inspirational story. Like, and, and it's, it's, it sucks for a guy like him who comes in with such high expectations to experience what he did in the first two years. But if he can turn it around, man, it'd be, it'd be a heck of a story. And, and he's put in the work to do it.
2: I don't know um, how much you, uh, if at all, you have heard about the Steelers and the quarterback Competition and all the Twitter drama, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, the incumbent, the guy back from last year, Mason Rudolph, you know, and 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 some people love him and, and some people hate him, and, and a lot of people just indifferent. But just a couple weeks ago, everybody's looking at hard knocks and they see Jared Goff and they don't really see anything behind Jared Goff, yeah. So then you start hearing rumors that the Lions might be interested. <laughs> <laughs> the trading for Mason Rudolph, right now, usually that could just come up from somebody on Twitter, just throw some, you know. But yeah. uh, did you hear any of those rumors in Detroit?
0: No, I, I just saw the, the one that I'm sure you all saw. I, I didn't hear anything, uh, in, in addition to that, and it seems unlikely to me. Uh, I mean, I I don't know that the Lions are really even looking for someone to push Jared Goff right now. I think they, they're just using 2022 as like, all right, Jared Goff. We got you a bunch of wide receivers. We got a pretty good offensive line. We got a, a dynamic running back or two. This is on you prove to us that you can be our quarterback of the future. That's what 2022 is because if, if not, well, if the lines got two first round picks next year. Maybe they grab a quarterback of the future. Um, I think what they want out of their backup quarterbacks. And yeah, I mean, sure. You'd like someone to, to be able to step in and, and win a game. Um, But you also want someone who, who knows the offense and can feed Jared Goff information. And so, Bringing someone in like Mason Rudolph at this point in the offseason. I mean, Mason Rudolph is going to have to have a month to learn the offense himself, and how mm. how can that be helpful to Jared Goff in any sort of way? Um, I I don't think it can be. And you know, no no offense to Mason Rudolph, but we got a pretty up close look at him, and he couldn't beat a pretty bad lines team last year in Pittsburgh. Uh, so I have personally not much interest in, in bringing Mason Rudolph in. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that that game, the overtime period of that game was painful because it was like both teams yeah. were like, no, seriously, yeah. you guys win this game. And they were right. like, no, no, no we don't want to win this game. You please win the game. It was so bad. I, Even, I, I went on a rant that week about I, I'd rather give both teams losses than watch overtime. Right?
0: And listen, like, the, the lines were, what, I think 0-8 or 0-9 at that point and just yeah. starved for a win. And to come out of that with a tie – <laughs> somehow was not satisfying at all like we did like that there's that zero is still there yeah
1: yeah, yeah it was, it's i uh tie tie's great on my nerves more than a loss like <laughs> right. you tried you failed but it's like you tried but you didn't fail but you didn't succeed you just you just wasted everyone's time exactly. that's all you really did <laughs> yes you played you played an even longer game and nothing occurred exactly. thank you for that that was great uh it's so going you you mentioned the receiver core uh mm-hmm. Last year the receivers Lions obviously didn't have much. What have they added to that room? And what do you expect this year to see from the receivers?
0: I, I think what you'll you'll see is more deep balls. Um the Lions were, were one of the, the lowest teams in terms of uh, a dot, you know, average distance of target and things like that. Um in terms of what they added, so they added Josh Reynolds mid season last year and that kind of that, that was part of the, the spark of, of the turnaround where, you know, the lines like I said, went three and three down the stretch. The offense looked much better. Jared Goff looked looked much better. And, you know, he 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 has a rapport with Josh Reynolds um, going back to both their days in Los Angeles. And so he's going to start as the number two, um, the, the big addition. I, I should say there are two big additions. The first we'll see right away in, in DJ Chark, free agent addition. They signed him to do a one year deal. Uh, a guy that was very, very unhappy, as a lot of people were in Jacksonville last year, um, seems to be in a much better place mentally, but he's also coming off a broken ankle, so he missed almost all of last year, so all of the drama that he experienced with Urban Meyer was as an injured player, um, but yeah, he seems, um, he, you know, he's definitely got a, a locked-in chemistry with with Jared Goff, the two trained in the offseason, all that sort of stuff, and, and you know, he. he you look at his skill set like he's just blazing fast i think you, you think of him as as kind of a tall maybe contested catch receiver but he can run and and i think that's that's going to add a lot and then you know amon-ra st brown a guy who came on like crazy mm-hmm. towards the end of last year i'm sure anyone who plays fantasy football yeah. either loves amon-ra if he was on their team or hates him if they had to go up <laughs> against him because he i mean i think he finished the the, the season with with i want to say six straight games of eight catches or more or something like that just incredible pace and it doesn't seem to be like that's that that's a flash in the pan thing he's another guy who's just like his work ethic is is ridiculous um he he catches 202 balls out of the jugs machine after every single practice um and so he's he's going to continue i think his rise to stardom and then obviously jameson williams we we talked about him first round pick he is going to start on the nfi list which means he's going to miss the first four games i wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him until november um but once he comes then you got another deep ball candidate. And so I, I think the, you know, considering this is a team that, that started, you know, their their idea of number one and two wide receivers going into last year was Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman, two guys who, if I'm not mistaken, are not on an NFL roster right now. Um, so it's a much improved unit. I think it, it will only get better once everyone is healthy. But it's a much improved unit, and I think it's going to open up the passing game a little bit. And so we're, we're going to see them push the field, the ball a little bit more downfield than they did last year.
2: This last – this third preseason game is always, you know, so important to them Them guys right on the fringe. Yeah. You know, and uh, the Steelers, you know, they have their guys that, that need a big game to solidify that, that roster spot you know, we're, we're learning about some of these guys for the mm-hmm. lines, you know, on hard knocks, but is there any one of these guys that that's right there on that bubble that you're really interested in seeing against the Steelers with hopes that it might put them over the top?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I would mention the kicker battle, but I, I I don't want to bore you guys. And even bore <laughs> yeah. myself, if I'm being completely honest, I don't, I don't like kicker battles. Um, <laughs> but I, so The wide receiver room is really, really interesting right now because you have all those guys that I mentioned and the top four or five guys are really locked in place. Um, But six and maybe seventh are are really interesting. Tom Kennedy is is kind of uh, I'm surprised they haven't really touched on him much on the hard knocks. He scored two touchdowns in the last preseason game and you saw him, but they didn't. You never really talked to the guy, but he's a he's a former rugby player. He's been hanging around the Lions practice squad for the past feels like two or three years. Um, but he had a hundred yards in, in the, in the opening preseason game, mm-hmm. he has the two touchdowns the next game. And he's a guy who he's, he's small. It, he really seems like a limited guy in terms of what he can do because he's just, he seems like a pure slot, but they've been really giving him more and more opportunities to prove himself, play on the outside, play some special teams. And he's met every single challenge. And he, it, it's he, for a while, he screams like that one wide receiver who just pops off in, in the fourth quarter of every preseason game and everyone gets really excited and then he gets cut and whatever. But this this year feels a little bit different. It feels like he's added it a little bit to his game and he could really challenge for a spot. And then the other uh, guy I think who might challenge a spot for there as well is Maurice Alexander, uh, a guy that they added very recently. But he was kind of, I, I don't want to say a star in the USFL, but very efficient in the USFL. And where he really stood out was uh, kick and punt return. And mm-hmm. last week he had, I think a 40 some yarder and a 50 some yard kick return, uh, against the Colts. And so suddenly he's on the Lions' radar because they don't really have a standout kick or punt returner. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's probably something to watch on, on Sunday. If the Lions get a big kick return or a punt return, uh, it could mean good things for Maurice Alexander.
1: Huh. What are you expecting from the lions offensive line? This has been something they've invested a lot in, Yeah. uh, and, uh, do you, Are you seeing results? Or are you seeing this team being a, a team that can run through their offensive line?
0: I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think expectations should be sky high for this unit. It, it includes three first round picks and a, and a couple other, um, you know, high highly invested guys. Um, you know, Panay Sewell entering year two after a really strong finish to the season at right tackle. Left Your left tackle is Taylor Decker, a guy who's been solid you know almost top 10 in pass protection for a really long time and then you just got maulers in the middle frank ragno i think is a top five center in this league jonah jackson is starting to come in his own left guard in his you know he's entering his third year and then you got Vitai, who's the um you know kind of the the veteran of the group um won a super bowl in 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 philly as as a tackle now he's playing guard it's you know he's probably the weak link of the group but everyone else i think you have really really high expectations for and we know this team is is someone who really wants to be a physically imposing team. They really want to run the ball a lot. And I think they, I think they think they have a top five unit in the offensive line. And, you know, we, we won't we won't know until we see it. Um, expectations were just as high last year, but unfortunately, Frank Ragnow suffers a toe injury that misses makes him miss, I think, 13 games. Taylor Decker gets a finger injury, misses the first eight of the of, of the season. So we haven't seen outside of some preseason snaps this entire five uh person unit play together yet period um so it, it's still like okay you got to actually go out and show it but in terms of potential I I do think this is a top five offensive line potential I really do.
2: Yeah um the, the lines the running game with that offensive line and those high draft picks it seems like they're set up yeah. to and and you know and we know golf he's really effective in play action. Yep that can open up the deep middle and, and you know they got more speed and size now receiver um uh, it seems like the coaches are really high on swift yeah um uh, and you know i think part of the reason maybe he hasn't broke out yet has been because of the offensive lines at line and the injuries that you mentioned yes. yep um what is your impression on swift here this season yeah, it,
0: I do think expectations are, are very high. He certainly has high expectations for himself. He recently said he wants to get a thousand rushing yards and a thousand receiving yards, which has only been done three times in <laughs> NFL history. So, you know, setting the bar pretty high for himself. Um, yeah, I, Swift is kind of an interesting guy because I feel like mentally he's been a guy that's hard to unlock. And you see, if you've been watching Hard Knocks, you know, Deuce has been really hard on him. But in in kind of that that as we talk, walking the line of being not necessarily insulting but but critical while also kind of coming from a place of love and of course a guy Mm -hmm. like deuce Staley who did it for so long in the nfl you you have to respect what he says about that but um he's a guy that i think needs a little bit of tough love he's a guy that needs a little bit of like kicking the pants and you know one of the most interesting things deuce said to the media this year was um that swift needs to learn the the difference between injured and being hurt and that i mean you're, you're you're essentially calling out your running back's toughness there in, in a way that's not saying exactly that because Swift has missed a lot of time with injury. He, he's mm-hmm. missed a lot of practice with injury. This is the first time he's really made it through, in, I think an entire training camp without taking regular days off. So, you know, they're, they're really pushing him to to push his, his mental limits, his physical limits, because I do think they see all that stuff. I mean, if, if you remember, there was a, a hard knock scene where, where Deuce is just pleading to the coaches and being like, listen, this guy, I know what an an outstanding unique talent looks like and this guy has it. We mm-hmm. just need to get him to believe it. And so, I don't know if he ever reaches that potential or not, but they're going to do everything in their in their power to get him to where they where where they think he can be and they they do
1: think he can be a special back. All right. So to wrap this all up, one of the last things we like to do with our guests is get a score prediction. Obviously, this is a preseason game, sure. so predicting the score is kind of <laughs> not not that big a deal it's kind of a crap shoot uh but what what do you see score wise what do you think's going to happen in this game
0: yeah it should be interesting because we, we've only seen the Lions first team offense once in the preseason so far and they, they went down and, and scored a touchdown right away uh against a, a Falcons team that's probably not going to be great but um I, I do think that's kind of emblematic of what this team is going to be it, it's, it's going to be a team that sh- gets in, gets involved in a lot of shootouts I think their offense is going to be Average to good, I think their defense is probably going to be still pretty bad. So I, I think I think we're just gonna be in for shootouts. And of course, like you said, preseason who who the heck knows? Um, but but we like you also said, like these preseason games kind of matter to Dan Campbell uh-huh. and, and the Lions because they, they they just want that locker room to experience wins. They and, and especially end-of-game wins. That's something that they've you know, they mentioned on hard knocks, but that's something that they've been practicing all training camp. They got they got into those situational things right away, whereas I think normally you wait a few weeks to, to get into that sort of stuff. So all that being said, let, let's go with a, a high-scoring game, uh, a Lions win because they're they're, they're, they're really going to be pushing towards the end of that game if, if it's close. So I'll go with 35 to
1: 31 Lions. All right. Uh, before we let you go, let everyone know where they can see your work and uh, find your – Find you on Twitter, wherever. True, Let everyone yeah. know where they can find you.
0: Yeah, Pride of Detroit is uh, is where I'm the editor-in-chief over there. we got plenty of Lions content. We'll have plenty of cover in the game as well. We'll try to get some Steelers perspective in there as well. Um, we we have a podcast that we put on. We, we live stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, if you're interested in that sort of stuff as well. And then my personal Twitter is at Detroit Online, all one word, online, like like America
1: Online, so Detroit Online. All right. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Thanks for coming on our show. It's been great having you. And uh, yeah, <laughs> well, appreciate
0: you me having man. me, guys. It's, I, I, I'll, I'll come anytime with the energy that you guys are bringing.
2: All right, oh, thank you, thank Jeremy. You. I'll All try right, to yeah, be man. calmer next time. <laughs> no, please don't. Please don't.
1: <laughs> All right, man. See you, buddy. Bye, bye. See you. Okay, Shannon. We like Dan Campbell. I've, I've said this before. One of the mm-hmm. reasons I think people, especially in Pittsburgh, like Dan Campbell is he's got a little bit of the spirit of Bill Coward, that kind of like, I'm in your face. I'm a little crazy. I might be a little unhinged, but it's from a good place, a place of passion, a place of loving his players. Like he actually cares. Mm-hmm. You know, he shows mm-hmm. that enthusiasm and fire. I, I, Detroit's a team that I can kind of root for. You know what I mean like they're kind of they're it's not like we're going to really play them. That game last year was just absolutely obscene, but it's nothing you're going to hate <laughs> the Lions for, right? It, is this a likable team?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, they're they're NFC. We don't play them very often. Um, you know, they're the uh, other than the Browns, they're the sad Sack losers, you know, in the league and and but they've had a lot of great players through the years you know, some of our favorites, Barry Sanders. I, I loved watching that guy. I mean, you know, he, he had, the, the what was so incredible about him? He had the strongest ligaments and tendons of any player ever to do the cuts and the stuff he could do. And oh, yeah. I mean, you know, my ACLs just ache watching him run. And <laughs> uh, Calvin Johnson and, and Sims oh, yeah. back in the eighties and just to get so many players, but they've never had any sustained success. Their fans are loyal. I mean, it's one thing if your team has won at least one Super Bowl, or is you know hasn't had to lose a losing season since 20, 2003. It's one thing to be a Steelers fan, but to be a Lions fan, to be a Browns fan, or you know even the Bengals got to experience some winning last year. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, the the Browns. There's no reason to not like them, and you know I think we all kind of secretly root for them when they're not playing the Steelers.
1: <laughs> yeah, I and I mean. I, I grew up in Michigan. I grew up an hour outside of Detroit. Yeah. I was a Detroit Lions fan to start as a kid. I didn't follow football much, but I, I liked the Lions. Uh, that all changed when I moved away. But uh, I, I naturally kind of just keep an eye on them and watch them, and I, I like mm-hmm. when they do well. Especially for me, one of the big memories of Detroit as a Steeler fan is that Super Bowl where, mm-hmm. you know, they absolutely mm-hmm. embraced Jerome Bettis coming back mm-hmm. for that Super Bowl. It, it was a great experience. Great job by that city, and I, and I think you know Pittsburgh can also relate a little bit better to Detroit than a lot of other cities, as a as a manufacturing industrial yeah, city, yeah. blue collar stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think there's a little bit of a connection there. I always like Detroit. Uh, I might I still take my family back to Michigan probably every couple of years. Just
2: mm-hmm. that was where
1: I grew up. So for me, I love these games. I love seeing the Lions. Well we're all uh, the
2: same so at Thanksgiving. We all want to see Dallas lose and you want to see Detroit win. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think we all agree with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Now, to move off of Detroit, what do you what do you want? What do you need to see from the Steelers in this third preseason game?
2: Well, somebody's already brought it up. Steelers freak cuz they wanted to hear me talk about Mark Robinson. So, here we go. Every, you know, I mean, I've been waiting with bated breath to, to 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 talk about him. You know, there's, you know, Bush missed time this week with a, an ankle injury. Don't know how severe, but, you know, he's milked that knee injury now for two over two years, and he was probably losing his luster. So he's like, okay, now I got an ankle injury. So he'll have something else to make an excuse for another you know, season. But. I'm wanting to see Robinson got some first team reps. Robinson looks like the real deal, guys. I mean, I've said it from the, you know, when he was drafted. I've been on the hype train the whole time. If you watch him, he has the instincts, he has the aggressiveness, the physicality. He has all that. The fact that he's better in coverage than we expected. I mean, he shadows the running back very well because he moves very fluidly. And he's actually getting better in his drops. He's getting better depth, and he seems, you know, he's getting he's he's catching on. He's raw, but I keep seeing people say, "Well, he's too raw. He's only got one year of experience." That doesn't matter. His one year of experience, he was very successful in the SEC, which is the closest thing you're going to get outside of the NFL. I would say the SEC is better than the USFL. You play in the SEC and you be successful. A lot of times them guys come in and they are able to contribute right off the bat. His biggest weakness is that lack of experience. But here, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I mean, he's going to make rookie mistakes, but he's also going to make some huge hits. And his intensity is contagious. The other guys will feed off of that. You know, remember when Spillane blew up Henry at the goal line in that game? And that fired the whole defense up. You know, it's, it's, it's contagious, that type of physicality and that type of effort. Okay. You say, well, you know, he's just too raw. He's too raw. Well, what's the alternative to watch Bush run around and try to avoid contact. He ain't doing anything. He's not making any impact. And then you have Robert Splain, who I love to dude. He's got all the heart in the world, but he just does not have the athleticism. He can play the run unless it gets outside. But when he's in coverage, every time he's in there and it's you know they're going to pass the ball. We look at each other and we're like, "Oh boy, they're going to get somebody matched up on Splane, and this is the first down." And it happens every time. He can't help it. You know he is, so his those limitations. He could be special teams guy. He could be a backup goal line guy, whatever. But Robertson, of the guys they have currently on the roster, I want to see him in there with Miles Jacks. Miles Jacks was aggressive. He played dominant against Jacksonville in his short time in there because he was fired up to play his former team. And I loved how he played and he has those instincts and that aggressiveness. And so does Robinson. Robinson will make mistakes guys. We accept that, but I believe that he could contribute this year, even though he is inexperienced. What you're,
1: what you're looking for is Mark Robinson getting first team reps with the Steelers defense. That's what you're looking to see. Yep. Yep. Okay. I, I got to say, he did move up in that second game. He was down below Buddy Johnson. He was up. He came in right after Robert Spillane did uh, against the Jaguars. Ah, man, I think it would be hard. I, I don't think the way the Steelers run that depth chart, you would see Mark Robinson leap over Robert Spillane. I, I just, I don't see that. I, I'm not going to totally disagree with you. Uh, Dave Schofield and I did a vertex on Mark Robinson. I went through that entire Jacksonville game, every snap he was in, looking for a play he got beat in coverage. Hmm. And the best I can tell you is the backup quarterbacks for Jacksonville were throwing outside. They weren't really attacking the middle much. But Robinson, the the best I can tell you is there were plays where he looked like he was a bit confused.
2: Hmm.
1: And there were plays that it looked like he did exactly what he needed to do. There were plays he dropped into coverage, and the quarterback read that guy and went away from him. Robinson was in coverage. Uh, you know, it's it's backup quarterbacks. That doesn't mean the same would happen if it was a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't in there against Trevor Lawrence. But I agree with you. I I I think the guy's earned that shot. I just don't know if he's gonna get it. The well, way he might the Steelers not get like it. to run their depth chart,
2: he might not get it right off the bat. That's why I want to see him with the first string in the preseason game. Yeah. And then see, show what he could do. Then he continued to learn and get some spot, you know, snaps in the regular season as he learns. Because what's going to happen, guys, is Bush is still going to be lackluster. He don't care. And he's it's going to show it's going to bleed into the regular season. Spillane will continue to get torched on passing downs or in coverage. Buddy Johnson looks lost and clueless. And, I mean, I was rooting for the guy. But, yep. he, you know, he just looks like he has no clue what his assignment is. So, that leaves Robertson. So, I think that by process of elimination, he is going to get some play in the actual defense this season, especially as he gains more experience. But that's what I want to see in this preseason game, is how would he look next to Miles Jacks?
1: I'd be interested. They could give Miles Jack the day off and put Devin Bush and Mark Robinson out there. Put the two contrasts together. The guy with all the talent <laughs> and all the coverage ability and the guy with all the, the, the fire in his belly. Yeah, yeah. See how they do. Let them play it out. Uh One thing I am looking for, Uh I, I had a film room come out today. I, I wanted to do a film room on Kenny Pickett. He played so few plays. I was like, that's great. I can really <laughs> dig into like a, a small set of plays. Yeah. Really look at them. You know, it'd be great. Uh, it it was shocking to me when I looked at it because Kenny Pickett, I was expecting to see high level game manager, right? Mm-hmm. Find the right guy who's open, get the ball to it, read the defense, find the right guy, get the ball to him accurately. And what I found is a guy who did that, but but did much more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he looks like a guy, right? He doesn't he doesn't show the deep ball. He doesn't show the athleticism of of a guy like a ben roethlisberger right but if you look at ben roethlisberger when he went from being that incredibly talented quarterback who broke tackles ran around extended plays and made stuff happen that way to the guy who read your defense pump faked looked off a safety and just Mm. tore your defense apart that way that kind of improvement Kenny Pickett's already made that like Kenny Pickett Mm -hmm. is a guy who doesn't have the arm. He doesn't have the mobility, he doesn't have the other stuff, but he has that. And there's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL who never develop that. There are starting quarterbacks Mm -hmm. who don't get that. He is ahead of Mitchell Trubisky by, by a good margin. There are a lot of starting quarterbacks that Kenny Pickett is just ahead of Mm -hmm. in that feel for the defense, manipulate the defense, work your guy open, hit him in rhythm. In stride to give him yards after the catch and to do it consistently. And not only is Kenny Pickett doing it consistently, he's doing it consistently with absolute crap protection. Oh, that awful. Jacksonville! You look awful. at when Pickett was in there. <laughs> I mean, every other play he's getting hit, mm-hmm. and the, the one play he is he is working the defense, using his eyes to get guys off and throwing the guy open. While Kendrick Green steps forward and absolutely whiffs on a defensive tackle, and the guy just goes past him is in Pickett's face and clocks Pickett hard. And Pickett works the play. Yeah. And just does it beautifully, delivers the ball exactly where it needs to be. I want to see Kenny Pickett get some extended time. I want to see him with Chase Claypool, with Deontay Johnson. I want to see him with George Pickens. Mm -hmm. I want to see if he can get some stuff going downfield where he's not just working with backups and doing whatever he can, you know, I want to see Kenny Pickett work outside of the two minute drill Mm. outside of the dink and dunk. I want to see him get a real, real chance to earn the starting job. I don't believe in my opinion, you can't, you can't overvalue four weeks, even sitting on the bench watching real NFL defenses talking to the quarterback who's in there experiencing it, going in the film room, looking at what happened, looking at the next group and really giving a quarterback some time to adjust to that. Like even two, three, four weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's invaluable, but I think at this point we're looking at a Kenny Pickett being the starter on this team sooner rather than later.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: really want to see the Steelers invest in taking that look and seeing Kenny Pickett in this game, because, Man, what we've seen of him Mm -hmm. is impressive. I also want to see a lack of Kendrick Green. That's the other thing I want to see. Yes. I want to see Kendrick Green.
2: That brings me to something that I wanted to definitely talk about tonight with you, because I think me and you are on the same page. I don't know if you've seen any of me and Dave Schofield's conversation today, because we had talked about back at the beginning of training camp. So many of these Steelers offensive linemen have position versatility. And I wanted to see them through the early stages of camp and maybe even the first preseason game switch more and a core four and let them get some time at both sides in case there's an injury and you have to switch somebody. I wanted to see Daniels and Dodson get the switch. And Cole can play any of the three interior spots just like Daniels can. Right now it's not working. And some of the guys do not look comfortable at all. Now, I believe that's the new technique that's being taught, and I think that that's why we're seeing these struggles. But you remember, because we talked about it often that year, Kevin Dotson was a right guard. He was the right yep. guard all through college. He His yeah. best football, in my opinion, was his rookie year when he filled in for David uh, DeCastro. Mm-hmm. Though, when they switched him to the left side, it took him a while to get better. And then last year, he started to get better and a little more comfortable. But to me, he's always looked better. He's never looked as good as he did as that rookie on that right side. Now, I know they got a different blocking scheme now and everything, but I understand that. But what I'd like to see him do this last preseason game and these last three weeks or a little less now of of uh, practices before the season starts is flop Daniels and Dodson and see if <laughs> Dodson isn't even more effective back on that right side that is his natural side. And Daniels, who I think could be a Pro Bowl center, because he was great at center at Iowa. And yeah. he's actually had some success at center, but they, you know, everybody wants him at guard. And so the Bears wouldn't leave him at center. He, you know, he could be the next top-notch stiller center. Because we got to remember Mason Cole can also play guard. But I I think that they need to at least move some guys around. And see if they if they if they develop a more of a comfort zone, and it might help with the chemistry, and you might see more positive results. But I especially wanted to talk to you about Dodson on the right side because we had talked about it in the past, and I wanted to see your opinion.
1: I I think we are, I mean, with this being the last preseason game, why not? I mean, yeah, we're kind of right at saying. the throw yeah. throw poop at the wall, see what sticks, man. Because <laughs> something. Yeah. Cause you're out. You, like what are you What are you going for here? I I will. I do want to say this. Uh, Mike Munchak has a great reputation in Pittsburgh, uh-huh. but that offensive line he had, Marquise Pouncey, great from 2010, uh-huh. played next to Ramon Foster from the moment he came on the Steelers. Uh-huh. Those two had been together and played together for three seasons, four, except for the se- yeah Pouncey missed a season, so they had three seasons uh-huh. they had played next to each other, right? Then you have David DeCastro added in 2012. Uh, you have Kelvin Beecham was on the other side. You have Marcus Gilbert, who had been around 2011, I think. But the first year they were all healthy, right? They had all played together. I think they all had two years experience playing next to the playing with the guy next to them, even though it kind of jumped around a bit, right? Mm-hmm. They'd all played together for a couple of seasons. We know uh, from Ramon Foster's interviews that that Mike Conlon called them the goon squad. (laughs) And they had developed a rapport with each other Uh where it was kind of them against the world, even as they were struggling. And they knew each other and they've worked together. And then Munchak came in the year all of them got healthy, came in, improved their technique, improved their stuff, and all of a sudden they turned it around. Uh When we look at this offensive line, Nobody has experience playing next to the guy next to him other than Dotson and Dan Moore Jr. That's it. If they put Dotson next to Dan Moore Jr., that's it. If they put Dotson on the other side, yeah, he has like four or five games with a Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's it. Mm-hmm. Mason Cole, James Daniel, Chakumo Coraphor, they they're all new to each other. They've never played with those guys. You also have a brand new scheme for them, mm-hmm. for the blocking mm-hmm. scheme, new stuff that they are learning. They're learning the guy next to him. They're learning a new scheme. This is a rough transition. Uh-huh. And to me, I, I think it might take longer than even last year uh, where we've talked about the offensive line kind of started to come together and go from like absolutely awful to like below average, approaching average. Uh-huh. They're heading into like week seven, week eight. They were they they were showing flashes of being good. They'd still have lapses, but they were much better. And then Dotson went down, and then Trey Turner went down, and everyone's uh-huh. hurt. Everyone's playing hurt. They're they're shuffling pieces in and out. But there for a while, it was starting to come together. This line is going to take longer than that. This uh-huh. line, even if if they leave it alone, if they if they move Dotson around, I still think you're looking at. This season, mostly that quarterback is going to be running for his life. As this offensive line tries to get on the same page and tries to figure out their strengths, their weaknesses, and what they're doing. They're trying to figure out what they're doing.
2: They could make a huge improvement if they'd have never tried the green experiment. You know, everybody knows. I said it last year. The dude, you know, he's – the Myers is wanting him to kind of come forward in his past sets, you know, to be aggressive – well, he he the guy he can't get his hands on these guys because they got 34, 35 inch arms, and he's got his yeah, T-Rex. Arms. The way. Yeah, he, he yeah, he's not even touching them. And mm-hmm. it looks like he ain't trying, but he can't even touch them. And they're going instantly around him. We knew that experiment was not going to work, but they tried to use it to light a fire under Kevin Dodson and it backfired. Now Dodson ain't ready, and Green they just wasted two preseason games at all training camp. Trying to make him something he'll never be. So the line could be a lot better this week. It can't be any worse than it was last week. Yeah. Unless they, they get they a quarterback can't get killed. But they can't get you, yeah. But they could be better this week as long as you keep green out of there.
1: I agree with you. And I know people are going to, you're gonna the, the natural question is there, is the new scheme a problem? Right? We've seen Kendrick Green flop at it. We've seen James Daniels struggling with it. Uh-huh. If you want to see the reason the Steelers believe in the scheme, look more at Dan Moore Jr. when he does a more aggressive set, but especially Chukwuma Okorafor. This yeah. Pat Meyer yeah. has done wonderful things for him. When he is doing those aggressive sets, it's beautiful. When Chukuma Okorafor does it, mm. it works. It works really well. These other guys, they're learning it. They're messing up. Maybe it'll take time. Maybe they're going to have to back off on that a little bit with them. Because if you notice, it's not all of them being aggressive at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's like a, it's like a stagger, try and catch people off guard and win a rep type of thing, uh, just by catching. it. It works uh, if you look at the co- teams he coached. They have incredible success against T.J. Watt, and T.J. Watt hated playing those guys. You watch him play against those Pat Meyer teams, like those the Chargers games. He got visibly frustrated in those games. Mm -hmm. TJ Watt was getting visibly frustrated because randomly, like how he likes to set up his moves Mm -hmm. and a guy just, boom, they're changing when they're hitting you. They're changing their blocking angles. They're not allowing you to set up your moves and do the things you want to do. And and they're being more physical. They're being more aggressive. You're getting held more. You're getting stuff and they're getting away with it. Very frustrating for TJ Watt. There's potential in this offensive line system. Mm -hmm. And it is paying off for some of the players. It is clearly not paying off for some others. And they're going to have to work through that. And we're going to have to see how it works out.
2: Well, you look at Moore, you know, showed an improvement, and he looked a lot better at camp based on all reports. But in the two preseason games, he's not getting bull rushed like he did last year. Because he is being more aggressive. But he's getting beat with a quick outside move. He's getting beat around the edge. Because he's, you know, instead of, he was dropping back really fast and that wide. He's not doing that. And and now he's struggling with speed more than he did last year. So it's yeah. an adjustment period. I, you know, we understand that. But a lot of these things that, that we've just talked about, I think if they would have really, they just took the guys into camp and then here's your position. They just put everybody in a set position and thought that was the way to go. And I think that they should have, you know, moved them around a little bit and see who shined at what position, you know, make them kind of earn it a little bit. And yep. and I think they would be a little farther ahead if they had done that.
1: Yeah. I agree with you. We'll, we'll see how this goes. I mean, right <laughs> now, lots of question marks on that offensive line. And I don't think I, – I think my, my, my takeaway from this is this is something we're going to be dealing with all season. Uh, we're going to be looking for not. improvements from this offensive <laughs> line. It's going to be slow. Yeah. It's going to take time. Hopefully the quarterbacks are still alive uh, by by the end of the year. Uh, I mean, maybe that's why they're keeping Mason Rudolph around. They're looking at this offensive line going, no, we need three quarterbacks. Yeah, we, can't, yeah, really. we can't drop to two quarterbacks. We need all three. They may all three have to play. All right. We are way over our the time we're supposed to take on this. We just crossed an hour. So, Shannon, I want you to let us know what's coming up. Let everyone know what they can expect from you. Uh, here coming up.
2: Yeah. Well, I have, uh, you know, this week's uh, rookie review article and, uh, that may be, uh, dropping tomorrow. I'm not positive, but, uh, you know, they, they were some, uh, some plus performances and then they was some, um, you know, that, that didn't quite live up to expectations, but, um, I, I think it was, it was, uh, a fair and we, we learned a little bit more about each rookie. So, uh check that out and like I said it might be posted tomorrow so
1: all right uh for me I had the film room I did on Kenny Pickett came out today uh check check that out if if you're Mm -hmm. if you're a Pickett fan if you're wondering what's special about Kenny Pickett why people are excited about it really check that out that's that 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 film room was something else for me uh and man like by the end of that film room I was being very careful because I was getting excited. And when I get excited, I get, I get, you know, I'm getting, mm-hmm. I getting mean, but it's preseason. It's time to get super excited and ridiculously optimistic. And I'm out here comparing him to, to Joe Montana and, and a young Tom Brady out there. So, you know, in my head, that's where I was going with this Kenny Pickett film room because really man, he looks impressive. He mm-hmm. looks so good in that, in those clips from that game. And it was every single play he was in. There wasn't a single throw that was bad. That's that's something that stood out to me. It was like uh, it might have been on Chris Carter's podcast where he was talking about there's not a single bad throw Kenny Pickett's thrown. Uh Go through all of his throws Uh this preseason, there isn't one of them you can look at and say, well, Kenny wants that one back, Uh isn't it? There's not a single one. Mitchell Trubisky, you have him. You got him with Mason Rudolph, Uh Trevor Lawrence. You could do that with him. Kenny Pickett, you don't have one. Uh It's crazy. Anyways, back, get, getting, um, to talk too much about him now. Uh, but outside of that, uh, we are talking about Mark Robinson, the vertex Dave Schofield and I did on, on Mark Robinson is coming out. It's going to be a good one. I, I went through that entire film and looked for his worst coverage snaps. Uh, they are in there. So you, you can see that he's even when he's not, even in his weakest area, he's not that bad, uh, mm-hmm. at least for preseason. So check that out. Ooh, that's our show for tonight. Uh I want to thank our guest. I already forgot his name.
2: Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy Rice. Risman. Yes.
1: Right. Yeah. Jeremy Rice, <laughs> I remember thanks for him for Pride of uh Pride of Detroit. Make sure you check out their site for all the Lions coverage for their side of this game. Their thoughts on the Steelers afterwards and whether or not they're going to trade for Mason Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> uh but as uh, for our side, make sure you're clicking over to behindthesteelcurtain.com. Make sure you're listening to all our podcasts on the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everyone who comments on the live chat. We have a great time reading your comments. And as always, have a great week. And let's go, Steeler. at LuckyLandSlots.com.
0: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group.
1: Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? haha in my
0: dentist's office.